Welcome back to another episode of That's Real Estate. I'm Tom Meyer. Thank you for joining me. Have you heard of the COBRA effect? The COBRA effect is something that occurs when an attempted solution to a problem actually makes the problem worse. There are unintended consequences of good ideas. History is loaded with COBRA effect examples. Some of them are rather humorous. My favorite one is titled Rats in Vietnam. What had happened in 1902, the colonial regime created a bounty program that would pay a reward for each rat killed, okay? They obviously had a rat problem. They had people who could kill rats and they were encouraged to do so. And, and uh, uh, a reward was offered, a bounty was offered for eradicating rats or with the intention of eradicating rats. So to collect the bounty, what the people needed to do was cut the tail off of the rat, the supposedly dead rat, and bring the tail in, and they were paid a uh, bounty. Well, after a while, the colonial officials noticed that Hanoi had a lot of rats running around with no tail. Turns out that the Vietnamese rat catchers were particularly good at catching rats, but they were even better at raising rats. So what they would do is they would catch these rats, remove their tails, release them back into the sewers where they would breed more rats with tails, which they could then catch, capture, remove the tails, turn the tails in for revenue, and release the rats. I imagine the government didn't want to end up with a pile of dead rats to dispose of. So a tail was a proof that um, the rat had been uh, eradicated. Well, rat catchers are smart people too, and smart people can usually find a opportunity to generate revenue in every uh, uh, unpleasant situation. Knowing that eliminating rats will eliminate the rat catcher's revenue stream, it was more favorable for the rat catcher to catch the rat, but not kill it. Of course, nobody saw that coming. I think this story makes a fine bedtime story for kids, as it would give them great ideas on how to generate revenue on their own. From a job such as picking up sticks in the yard, where it's easy enough to find more sticks to leave in the yard, to be hired to come back to pick up more stick. And don't think that doesn't happen. I'm just saying. The Hanoi story occurred in 1902, but there are many more examples of uh, the Cobra effect right here at home and more recent. You can Google that stuff and see what, uh, see what you find. But I've got a Cobra story for you that's not only close to home, it's happening right now, right here, and it applies to homes. It applies to homes which people are buying and people are selling in Wisconsin. If you're a buyer of real estate in the United States, you should be aware of the Foreign Investment in Real Property Tax Act. It's a provision of the Internal Revenue Code and it applies to all real estate transactions. I'll let you take a look and bring yourself up to speed on the FIRPTA Act, Act F-I-R-P-T-A. This isn't a legal discussion of the uh, implications of the Tax Act. This is, an, uh, this is a real estate conversation about the implications of a new condition in the new Wisconsin offer to purchase. A little background. Attorneys, realtors, and government policymakers are held to a high standard of care in drafting enforceable contracts or enforceable agreement. Wisconsin, like other states, has a uniform residential offer to purchase agreement form. Ours is called the WB11 Residential Offer to Purchase. These boilerplate documents need to be brought up to date from time to time. And our last residential offer to purchase was created at the height of the recession, was, has been in effect since about 2010. 
as you can imagine, over time, people using these documents discover uh, flaws, weaknesses, uh, omissions, and ideas that should be incorporated or could be incorporated into the transaction. And ultimately, through a committee process covering a couple of years, uh, those conditions and suggestions and modifications are hashed out among uh, highly intelligent people with a lot of contract experience. And they get put into a new form, which then becomes available to use. And in Wisconsin, we start with an optional use date and then a mandatory use date. This is important because the optional use date of the new Wisconsin WB11 is tomorrow, November 1st. In less than 24 hours, it's very possible that real estate practitioners, it's, it's very possible that in less than 24 hours, real estate practitioners who don't have any experience using this document or have uh, become familiar with it are going to start drafting offers to purchase using this document. Like anything new, flaws and weaknesses are usually identified in the early stages. And until you start to use something, you don't know for sure if this condition or that thing or this this idea works or has some hidden flaw. The committees who work on these documents are made up of professionals with expertise and good intentions. And like anything that comes out of a committee, some of the inclusions are good ideas and some are other people ideas. The purpose of a offer to purchase agreement is ultimately to establish the terms on which somebody will buy and somebody will sell. When crafted properly, the, the document may become a contract in the eyes of the law. And as a contract, it's enforceable between parties. For an agreement to be enforceable, one of the things it has to have is some well-prepared, well-structured structured contingencies or conditions. I will do this, provided this, and then we'll do that. A simple formula for constructing a contingency begins like this. Who's going to do what? By when? And if this happens, you do that. And if that happens, one party may do this or that or go their separate ways. Not all conditions in an offer are contingencies by definition, but all can be drafted with the same who, what, where, when, formula. If you look through the conditions and contingencies in the offer to purchase, you're mostly going to see that formula along with one other thing added at the end. And that would be, how do we cure the issue if things don't match up, but people still want to go forward? Let's call that a right to cure provision. These offer to purchase agreements are also drafted with some care to alert the parties to things that they should be aware of, things where they should highly consider getting legal advice if they're going it alone, or where they should be aware that this is a condition that may come into play and may affect them. So that brings us to today's story. I'll give you a few minutes to find the new WB11 residential offer to purchase. It's available on the DSPS uh, website and pull the one that is has the optional use date of 11119. Okay, that's all the time you get to find that. I'm going to assume you're all ready. Turn to page 9 and go down to the bottom. At line 516, there's a box and it says Foreign Investment in Real Property Tax Act, FERPTA. I like that name. This is a federal tax law that's been in effect, as I understand it, since 1980. As described in this document, this is what FERPTA is about. 
It provides that a transferee, a buyer of United States real property, must pay or withhold as a tax up to 15% of the total amount realized. If you own real estate, this pertained to you. You purchased a property somewhere along the line in the closing. You would have signed some document or received some document signed by the seller uh, certifying that they're a non-foreign person. I'll bet my life that you were not told that if the person is a foreign person, you will be subject to a 15% tax. Oh, 15% of the amount realized? For our purposes to understand this, the amount realized, just use the purchase price. 15% of the purchase price is the potential tax that you as a buyer may owe if the person you bought the property from is a foreign person. A foreign person is identified, described in the tax act, so I won't get detailed into that, but let's just to be sure, a person from Canada, a Canadian, foreign person, south of the border, their border, not the one with the wall. Okay, so the good intention was this. The powers that put together this offer to purchase document, knowing that law exists, thought, hey, it's a good idea that we alert the public to the fact that this law exists and there may be a penalty to be paid. So make sure that you get this certification that the person is a uh, non-foreign person and not subject, and the transaction is not subject to that tax. Good idea. What could go wrong? You probably see this in your own business where good ideas don't just stop at a fix for the good idea. We continue on to make it a little gooder. So here's what happened with that new provision to notify you of this FERPTA tax. Added to that disclosure, to that notice, to that caution was this provision. Seller hereby represents that seller is not a foreign person. Buyer and seller agreed to comply with FERPTA requirements under the IRC code 1445, period. And here's the problem. The next sentence says, no later than 15 days prior to the closing, seller shall execute and deliver to buyer or a qualified substitute, being an attorney or a title company, a sworn certification under penalties of perjury of the seller's non-foreign status. I can boil that down. 15 days prior to closing, the seller has to inform the buyer by providing them a certification that they're not a foreign person. I'm not quoting the tax law, but I believe the only requirement is that this certification is provided to the buyer at the time of closing. But for some reason, we, we changed the requirement to a contractual responsibility that this certification be in the buyer's hands at least 15 days prior to closing. So what happens if the seller fails to deliver the certification of the seller's non-foreign status? Well, like any good condition, well-written condition, it says so right here. If the seller fails to deliver certification of seller's non-foreign status, buyers shall be entitled to either <clears throat> one, Withhold the amount required to be withheld from the amounts otherwise payable to the seller. An attorney might have a different opinion, but once we work our way through the FERPTA Act, we'll probably discover that for more or less, the amount payable to the seller is the purchase price. 15% of a $400,000 purchase price is, you do the math, it should be easy enough. It's a sufficiently large number. But the buyer has one more option. Number two, the buyer may terminate this offer by written notice to seller prior to the closing. Let me sketch out that picture. 15 days prior to the closing, 
the seller was supposed to have in the buyer's hands a certification of the seller's non-foreign person status. For some reason, that certification was not delivered to the buyer prior to the 15th day prior to closing. And now we are 14, 13, 12 days prior to closing. Obviously, withholding 15% of the purchase price is going to be a significant issue to the seller, but the buyer has the right to do that. Because the buyer may also terminate the offer to purchase, the seller is now at risk of the offer being terminated by the buyer right up until closing. Who's going to terminate an offer at that late date, you ask? Think about it. The person who wants out of the contract. So with the lever of the leverage of withholding 15% of the purchase price or terminating the contract on their side, the buyer has this immense authority, this immense leverage to drive the conversation and change the terms of the agreement in order to get to closing. I'm not saying that step would be fair or legal. I'm saying with the advice and direction of attorney, that is an option that a buyer may exercise. If you're the buyer, you'd love to have that leverage. You're a seller you're, and you're not a foreign person. You do not want the buyer to have this leverage up to the time of closing. So you wanna be particularly, especially careful to make sure that that certification is in the hands of the buyer plenty of time before the deadline. Before I look at this from the perspective of, of a real estate licensee, I wanna point out to you that this condition is well constructed until we get to the point where we need a cure. What if the seller doesn't get the certification to the buyer by the 15th day prior to closing, but they get it there on the 13th or the 12th day and the, and this, the buyer has not yet terminated the offer? Well, using the model of the financing commitment contingency, uh, late delivery uh, would satisfy the condition uh, provided the other party hasn't terminated the offer. Doesn't this, this doesn't provide for that. At least it doesn't provide for it in wording. I don't know how courts or attorneys would interpret that. As a real estate broker, I would prefer to see some cure method in here so that a seller who inadvertently misses that deadline is able to fix the situation and remove themselves from the threat of the withholding or termination uh, as quickly as they can. So now I'm going to switch back over to the broker side of the table. As a broker, the firm is the firm may be the firm may be held responsible for a seller's failure to deliver the certification timely. I'm not going to get into any liability or the responsibility of the licensees uh, to know if the person is a foreign person or not. I don't know if the provision provides enough protection for the brokers or not, but um, I think we always have the opportunity to uh, hire defense. Uh, to defend ourselves against any accusation, and this certainly uh, could be an accusation that we're exposed to. The surest accusation that we're exposed to is a failure to perform our duties. If we take on the duty to deliver a document in a timely manner to the appropriate person and it be the appropriate document, and we fail to do that, we have liability. Or maybe I should say, we may have liability. And when we may have liability, we always get the right to invest some money in a defense. For a firm and a licensee, I don't like that exposure. For people selling real estate in Wisconsin, I fear that exposure that they're subject to, which they didn't have to be subject to, unless 
this provision was stuck into the offer. So what's the solution? Well, I've met with our firm's attorney and I've talked to other attorneys and I'm meeting with the title company later today. And from the perspective of the broker, attorneys are recommending that we have some protections added to our buyer agency contracts and our listing contracts. Lawyers understand this better than me, but I'm certain that some indemnification uh, is a good idea. And at 9 a.m. on the day before this uh, uh, agreement goes into use, um, I'm thinking we need some kind of a policy in the company to establish how we're going to handle these uh, delivery of these uh, non-foreign status certification. If it were just up to me, I'd take the same approach that I like to take with earnest money. Don't touch it. Don't deliver it. Don't volunteer to be the courier. And that's all I've got to say about that. If you're listening to this before November 1st, well, you've got some time to scramble around and take a look at this and start to come up with some sort of a protection strategy of your own. If you're a person with an accepted offer on a residential property in Wisconsin right now, you're not subject to this 15-day delivery requirement because that requirement is not in the standard offer to purchase that we have been using and that we'll continue to use up until January 1st. But if your contract is initiated tomorrow or after using the new WB-11, that provision, unless modified, is in the offer. Some of the quick conversation around tables Uh, of solutions has suggested, well, we'll just have the seller counter that out. Well, I don't think that we can make the seller counter an offer that they want to accept. Actually, I know we can't. That's a bad idea. Another suggestion was, well, let's have our buyer clients just strike that from the offer and not make it a condition of the offer. You can see how that's a bad idea. If you're the buyer and I tell you to take this provision that protects you out of the offer to purchase and you take it out and now you don't have the Uh, the protection of that condition, um, and you needed it, you're going to be looking at me, and you rightfully should be looking at me. This morning, I sent a request to the WRA legal team asking for some guidance and also asking that they request the department to withhold implementation of this this contract, this agreement, until uh, a, a modification is made to this provision to provide some protection and not put our sellers at such high li- high risk liability. So this is going to wrap the this episode of That's Real Estate. You're welcome to contact me. My email is tom at tommeyer.com. I certainly can't give legal advice. I'm not an attorney. I'll be happy to have a conversation with you about the new offer to purchase. I am a fan of the offer to purchase and I am a contract kind of geek. Um, so if you want to talk about anything that's In this uh, new WB-11, feel free to contact me. And my phone number, 608-332-8331. Thank you for tuning in. And if you've liked what you heard, you're welcome to share this with your friends. And actually, I would encourage you to share it with people you know who may be buying or selling real estate in the next few months. We'll be back in 30 days or less with the next episode of That's Real Estate.